everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Isom podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is a celebratory one. June 2020 marked the fourth year of me living in Iceland and the second year anniversary of the podcast. I think that with all that's going on in the world right now, I found myself reflecting on how much has changed for the podcast and in my personal life since moving to Iceland in 2016. During this episode, I plan to share some of my favorite moments during interviews this year, some of the places in Iceland that have a special place in my heart, an update about the podcast, and a big announcement. Starting out with some of my favorite moments while on interviews has to undoubtedly in my mind start with when I met Kaori Stefansson, which is episode 50. Kaori is the CEO and founder of Decode Genetics. In their words, Decode is, quote, a global leader in analyzing and understanding the human genome. Using our unique expertise and population resources, Decode has discovered key genetic risk factors for dozens of common diseases ranging from cardiovascular disease to cancer, end quote. Kaori is known for being direct and can come off as abrasive. I wouldn't be surprised if people considered him to be a curmudgeon. I knew before meeting him that he is very opinionated and could potentially not be nice to me. Regardless, I was willing to take that chance because he is a fascinating person who has accomplished some extraordinary things in his life. After arriving to Decode for the interview, I was given a press pass or something like that to enter parts of the building that are not available to people in the general public. When I arrived at his office, he happened to be in the middle of a meeting with a colleague and they stopped talking when I entered the room. So I immediately thought, holy crap. I just walked in in a meeting, and he's going to think I'm so rude. Thankfully, that wasn't the case, though. However, a moment or so after he introduced me to his colleague, he said something to me that totally caught me off guard. So just to give you some backstory, before our meeting, I offered to send him the questions I intended to ask him. This has been requested by people in the past that I was interviewing, so I thought it would be fine to offer that to him before going forward just in the event that he wanted to think a little bit about what he wanted to say beforehand. Well, (laughs) he flat out told me that it is a stupid idea to send questions to people before the interview because they will rehearse their answers and it will essentially mess up the flow. Yeah, (laughs) it's a little surprising. But I immediately said to him that it has worked out just fine so far. And he quickly replied that, I think it has been working out so far, but how do I really know? My rebuttal to this was, well, people keep listening to the podcast, so I must be doing something right. At that, he just legit stopped talking about it as if like it was just over and done and said we should get started with the interview. (laughs) All of this was before I hit record and had sat down to even set up my equipment. My first thought was, damn. This is going to be a difficult interview and I might have to scrap it. While he did start out a bit stiff, I was able to crack a few jokes and he loosened up. It ended up being a great interview and I was so grateful that it turned out well. After recording, we continued to talk about when he was living and working in Chicago. And it was just nice to connect with him in this way, mainly because I don't think that most people get a chance to see this part of him 
he's often in the media, but usually, you know, because he's very opinionated, has very serious mannerisms, and is often kind of frowning. So I'm just not sure how often people really get to know him. After I left the building, I was so sweaty because I had been constantly on guard and just nervous about this interview going okay. It might be strange that I find this to be one of my favorite moments, but I think I, it's so memorable to me because it was a challenge I had to overcome. Most of the people I interview are very different from Kaure. I don't often encounter people who try to challenge me, right? <laughs> especially not from the start. And it kind of felt like he was testing my boundaries, and I was just proud of myself that I held my own. I was also happy to be able to connect with him and understand that he isn't that difficult, but he has some personality traits that can make it hard to connect. Another memorable episode for me was number 61 with Mike Dell. He served on the NATO base in Iceland during the 90s. Gaining insight into that time for me was pretty cool because I'd been wondering about what it was like to live in Iceland during the 90s on the NATO base. And it's probably been about a year. This has been rattling in my brain and thinking about how best I can maybe interview someone or find someone. What's great about this is that it literally just fell into my lap. In fact, I won't go too much into it because you can learn in the episode how I virtually met Mike. But I was literally just trying to get help with making sure my podcast was being set up correctly because I had changed my website URL from from foreigntofamilian.com to now allthingsiceland.com. And that just comes with some technical changes to make sure that the All Things Iceland podcast was still broadcasting out to all the different platforms like Apple Podcasts and so on. While on the phone with him, I'd mentioned that I live in Iceland and that the show was about the country. And his mood immediately changed from just being like all about business and helping me out to being so excited. And he ended up telling me that he's lived, he lived in Iceland for a year and how much he loved it. It surprises me, though, that he hasn't been back here since the 90s. But I hope that he does make it back in the near future. Hearing the joy in his tone as he spoke about Iceland before and during the interview is what made this so memorable for me. When he lived here, it was way before most people knew about how awesome this country is. Definitely way before I knew. And I was glad to hear about how much living here had impacted his life in a positive way. It is true that Iceland has a beautiful effect on many people, but it's normally like Instagram or marketing campaigns that draw them here. And in his case, it was just he was serving in the military, he got sent here, and he was fortunate to be able to enjoy the country. The final memorable interview that I will share is the episode that I did right before this one, which is number 66. It was with Dr. Christine Lofstotter. It was not easy for me to talk about or come to terms with Iceland having issues with racism. At the same time, it is an important topic, and I'm glad to have gotten insight from an expert on the topic here. Christine and I talked for a while after I stopped recording. Some of the conversation revolved around our personal feelings about how things are shifting here. Iceland is becoming more diverse. There are people from many different countries that have moved here, and that diversity is adding to why this place is unique. We both look forward to seeing how the country continues to change and adapt. Moving on to my favorite places around the country... I've definitely been fortunate over the last four years to visit many different parts of Iceland. I've not been to every place in Iceland, but I am working on it. Just last month, Gunnar and I did a 13-day adventure around the country. 
surprisingly, maybe to many people, that was my first time going around the Ring Road in one trip. And I've been to, like I mentioned, many parts of the country beforehand, but we'd never done a purposeful, let's go around the whole country in, in one big adventure. So that was pretty cool. We went off the Ring Road plenty of times, and I always recommend that to people who have the time. However, if I have to pick three places that stick out in my mind immediately, and not necessarily just from this trip, but in general, I would say that the first is the West Fjords. Most people don't venture off to go there, and that is so unfortunate to me. I've been there a few times, which has always been the summer, mind you, because some roads can be impassable or very icy in the winter, and I've always enjoyed it. It also helps that I've had good weather when there, which makes a big difference about a lot of things here. Later this summer, I plan to spend several weeks there, but I will fill you in on why at another time. Just know there's so much raw beauty and nature there. The winding roads and stunning views make this such an epic place for an adventure. Next up is Lan Manolayar. This part of the highlands is actually quite popular, especially in the summer. During the high season of summer, it can feel overrun with hikers and campers, which is not really fun. However, the first time I went there, it was at the end of a nine-day trekking tour through the more remote part of the highlands. I was in a group of people, but it was nice to arrive in Lanmanlogar and see other people than those I had been traveling with for nine days straight. Granted, the people in my group were lovely, but it's just nice to change it up and see different faces every once in a while. Plus, I was blown away by the color of the Rhyolite Mountains. It just looks like you're looking at a picture, and often I was just speechless staring at them. It started raining, and it was overcast when we arrived to the base camp area of Lan Manolayar, so I vowed to come back so I could enjoy it more. The next year, I ended up taking a one-day trip with my sister-in-law, and we lucked out with the weather. Granted, I had been watching the weather like a hawk and did not book our trip until I found a day uh, during a weekend that suited us and also had decent weather. That ended up being in September, which is off-season, and it was sunny, warm, and not windy, which is, like, amazing. Because this was an off-season time, there was hardly anyone there. Besides our group on the bus, there had been just a few people who were doing a photography tour. Lanmanlogad was practically unrecognizable for my first visit, which happened in July the previous year, because, like I mentioned, it was off-season, so basically no one was there. The hilarious part is that after we did some hiking and decided to dip in the natural hot spring there, the weather changed drastically. For about 10 minutes, we had snow showers. <laughs> after that, the weather returned to being sunny and relatively warm for the season. The potential of the weather changing like that in Iceland can happen at any time. As you get closer to the winter, obviously, the potential for snow in the highlands increases by a lot. It is common to see and have to walk through snow in the highlands if you're doing a hike, even in the height of summer. So that's just something for you to keep in mind if you're planning to hike there. The third place is a recent addition to the list of my favorite places. Gunnar and I visited Ausbirke on our 13-day trip. And holy moly, it is beautiful. Like, drop-dead gorgeous beautiful. And... Apparently, it is named the Capital of the Elves. I can't say if elves actually live there, but if they do, they picked a great place to live. 
While driving into Ausbergi, it felt as if we were being transported into another part of the country, or maybe just even another country. Most of the environment around Ausbergi doesn't have lush trees and is not a canyon. It's almost as if this place just came out of nowhere. While there is a scientific reason for the horseshoe shape of the canyon, I like the folklore version best. According to legend, Sleipnir, Odin's eight-legged horse, placed one of its hooves on the ground in the area. This left a deep imprint on the earth, and that is how Ausbirki got its shape. There's a lake there as well that feels like it was taken out of a fairy tale, and the energy of the place is so tranquil. I can go on and on about these places and many other places, but that's not what this episode is necessarily about, and I don't want to make it too long. If you are in Iceland, or you plan to be in the near future, I recommend checking out the places that I mentioned, if you have the time. Quite soon, definitely this summer, I will publish an episode that breaks down our 13-day adventure around the country, which will include pictures and our itinerary. So now I'm going to move on to sharing a little bit about what it's been like to live here and my Icelandic learning journey for the last four years. While there are ups and downs in every journey, I have to say that adjusting to life here has not been very rocky for me. I'm incredibly fortunate to have very supportive and loving family in Iceland and the United States. Having a job that I was excited about, that I had gotten before moving, that also exposed me to the joy of Icelandic nature when I first moved, was amazing. I was also quite busy a lot, so my mind wasn't really on adjusting to life in Iceland as much as it was on adjusting to being in a new job and of course, moving to a new country, but just allowing myself to absorb all of that. And then part of my job was to go out in nature and to experience that. So that helped me a lot with getting to learn about Iceland and really fall in love with the country. Granted, there have been plenty of times when I was stressed and needed time to recharge, but I've always felt at home here. It surprises people when I say that I've not once felt homesick for New York City. A big part of the reason why I haven't is because I was so ready to leave New York City. To be clear, I love New York City. It helped to shape me into the person I am today. I lived there for the majority of my life. The only time I didn't live there is when I left to go to college. So New York City means a lot to me and it has a lot of things and has people there that I care about. So it's it's not as if New York was a problem, but when you combine the fact that Gunnar and I had been living separately for three years, we've been in a long-distance relationship, and he had already moved back to Iceland from the United States before me, and there was, you know, a New York City just for some reason started feeling so much more crowded and all these things. And when I came to visit Iceland, it was like, I just belong here. I can feel it. (laughs) So that part was just in my brain and I just was itching to get here. It felt so good when it finally happened. Even though it was hard to leave my family, I always knew that it was pretty easy for them to come and visit. So I've just never really focused on those things. And it probably also helps that I viewed my time in Iceland as an adventure. And I continue to do that because every year has brought me new and exciting challenges. Yes, the long, dark winters start to weigh on you, especially in March, when you just want the snow and cold to go away. To deal with that, I have developed some coping mechanisms, such as taking a vacation to a warm and sunny place or trying a winter sport. Everyone needs to find their thing that gets them going through winter. For those that are still searching, I always recommend being active. 
releasing endorphins due to exercise is awesome in my opinion. It's not always easy to get up and do it (laughs) every day or most days, but I feel like it's totally worth it. Plus, it helps to take your mind off of how dark it is. I've purposely separated my experience with adjusting to life here from learning Icelandic because the language part is a whole other beast. One can live and work in Iceland without knowing the language. There are many foreigners that do, and I have no judgment about that. I've always felt compelled to learn it, but honestly, it's been an uphill battle. It is true that I know a decent amount and I understand a lot of what is being said most of the time, and I also pride myself on my pronunciation. However, I don't have a full command of the language, and that has irked me to no end. When I moved to Iceland, I made the promise to myself that I would learn the language in three years. You might be wondering, why three years, Jules? Good question, and I have no idea where I got that number from. (laughs) In my mind at the time, it sounded like a decent amount of time to learn a language. During those three years, there are many times where I felt like I just wasn't doing enough and I broke down and cried. I essentially felt like a failure, often, when it came to that. In fact, when the third year arrived, I pretended like it hadn't happened. (laughs) However, I was forced to deal with it when I had a conversation with my current boss. He was being very supportive and saying that I can practice with people in the office and take classes during working hours if I needed to. This conversation reminded me that I hadn't met my made-up deadline, and later that night at home, I broke down. I have to, of course, mention that I'd been working and still have been continuing to work quite a lot, and I had taken classes, I now have a private tutor, but I've just been very critical of my progress and how fast, or in my case, feeling like it's very slow. To feel sane again, I knew it was healthy to just shed this timeline idea that I had set up and decide just to dedicate time every day to learn Icelandic. That means making time for it after work, making a ton of mistakes, and forcing myself to speak. In fact, all of this month, which is July 2020, Gunnar and I have been on a bit of a challenge where we are only speaking to each other in Icelandic. It has been challenging for sure, but I feel that it's worth it. I'm doing my best to not let my ego get in the way of my progress. I think, you know, for anyone who's listening who might be in the process of learning a language and their, and their partner happens to be fluent in it, there is this aspect of which you do feel an imbalance. So Gunnar is very supportive of me and we always treat each other as equals, but it's hard that I don't feel like an equal when I speak the language to him. And in my brain, there's a perceived imbalance in the relationship, which was messing with my confidence. So I also needed to shed that feeling, which did help to free up space in my brain to focus on speaking. There's even one point (laughs) in which I I felt so defeated that I considered quitting my job and going back to school just to focus on learning Icelandic. I've decided not to take that path for several reasons, but I've learned to never say never. I'm sharing this because I think it's important to touch on the different aspects of expat life in Iceland. And sometimes just in general, when you move to different places and you have to learn things that are just unfamiliar to you. Of course, this is just my experience But my hope is that in hearing this, you will feel like you're getting some insight into the life here 
And I'm also excited about continuing my language learning journey, even though it has been one of the biggest challenges I've encountered in a while. If you happen to be interested in learning the language, I will have links to some resources in the show notes of this episode, which you can find on my website, allthingsiceland.com. Now for the podcast update. If you've had the chance to listen to the first year anniversary episode that I did last year, you would have heard why I started this podcast. You would have also heard about some of the challenges that I was going through because of starting a new job. I won't go into all of that again, but you can feel free to check out that episode if you're curious about that story. It's episode number 48, and I will also link to it in the show notes of this episode. When I re-listened to it, I was surprised to hear that after publishing 47 episodes my first year, that I had 47,000 downloads. This year, I have only been able to publish 20 episodes, but at the moment, I have 167,000 downloads of the podcast. I'm blown away by this jump in downloads in just a year. I'm incredibly grateful to everyone that listens, those who share the show, who send me messages, or leaves comments about different episodes. When I started a new job in April of last year, it pained me that I had to slow down the amount of episodes that I was publishing. My job, as I've mentioned, has been quite demanding of my time, but I realized, and this is the epiphany part, (laughs) that after months of being overly stressed and realizing that being a digital creator gives me so much joy because I get to share fascinating stories and information with all of you, that I needed to figure something out. I needed to make some type of a change. I'm a one-woman show, so that means I do all the writing, recording, reaching out to people for interviews, interviewing them, editing, publishing, and and promoting. It's not necessarily unique to small creators. I mean, a lot of people are in positions like this. And for me, it's a labor of love because I really do enjoy it. I knew I needed to figure out a way to get back to doing this regularly. I'm always looking to find ways to improve the show whether it's upgrading equipment, learning some editing tricks, or changing up the topics. And it's been a fascinating journey so far, and the two years has blown by so fast. But I feel confident that this is just the beginning. Well, of course, barring that anything that's life-threatening happens or just like a major emergency, I don't see myself stopping doing this podcast or creating videos. And in an effort to allow more space and time in my life for creating which, of course, is these episodes, videos, social media content, and different resources. I've actually ended up talking to my job and decided to decrease my time there. That was an incredibly tough choice to make. Of course, financially it impacts me, but also this is a change-up in my life that is exciting and full of possibilities. It kind of feels like a, a bit of a leap into the unknown. One of the main reasons I'm sharing this is because the feedback from listeners like you have made all the work worth it. It encourages me to do even more, even though I don't necessarily get any financial gain from it. I have considered many options regarding how to take podcasting and digital creation in general from a passion project to a profession. Sponsorship is something that I'm still rattling in my brain, but one of the most intriguing options has been creating a space for me to interact on a more personal level with all of my awesome listeners. With that, I'm excited to announce that I have started a Patreon page. For those who have not heard of Patreon, it is a platform that has been around since 2013. It gives fans of your work a way to support you through a monthly membership. In exchange for the support, you will gain access to exclusive content from me, be part of a community that has similar interests, 
and be an active participant in the work I am doing. For instance, I plan to have polls so you can vote on content ideas. Some content will only be available there, and you'll be able to suggest future topics for episodes and videos. Some of the content that will only be available there, for instance, might be video of me talking about Icelandic folklore or sharing some parts about my life here in Iceland or thoughts around things that are happening in Iceland that I wouldn't put out, say, on YouTube because that's a space that is public and it kind of opens you up to scrutiny from trolls (laughs) who aren't always the nicest to have to interact with. I'd rather just be sharing it in a safe space and then being able to interact with people who I know are also interested in talking about this and can share their views in a safe space. I've created four tiers of support and the lowest tier starts at just $2.99 a month. And believe me, every bit counts. This support will allow me to reinvest back into creative process, such as upgrading equipment, paying for fuel to get to interviews in different parts of the country, create helpful resources, and so on. One free resource that I recently created is my ultimate packing checklist for Iceland. And it's great because it includes essential items that you need to pack for summer and winter. So you're pretty much set for any season. And if you want to grab that, if you haven't already, there's a link to it in the show notes of this episode. And if you decide to support in a higher tier, you, of course, get more benefits. So fun fact, in one tier, you will receive a gift each year from me that was made in Iceland. And I'll ship it to you anywhere that you live in the world. I will, of course, continue to make podcast episodes and videos that are available to the public. But now you have the opportunity to access a lot more than that. I'm incredibly grateful that a platform like Patreon exists, and I love the fact that it allows me to develop a deeper connection with all of you. To read the benefits in each tier and support the growth of all things Iceland, please check out the link to my Patreon page in the show notes, or just type all things Iceland into the search feature on the Patreon platform. Loads of thanks in advance to everyone that supports, and I look forward to having you join me in the all things Iceland community on Patreon. Now for the random fact of the episode... The month of June is a very significant month in my life because a lot happens then. I was born on June 16th, 1986. I moved to Iceland on June 22nd, 2016. Goodnight and I had our big wedding celebration on June 17th, 2017. June 17th is also Iceland's Republic Day. And June 13th, 2018 is when I started the All Things Iceland podcast. My birthday and when I moved are probably just coincidences. But all the others were planned, of course. And there's just something about June that really resonates with me. So yeah, now you just know some really random dates and important events in my life. The Icelandic phrase of the episode is Yeg er þakklát. Yeg er þakklát. I'll say it again slower. Yeg er þakklát. Which translates to I am grateful. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of All Things Iceland, please leave a five-star review on whatever platform that you are listening to this on. And please share it with anyone that you think will find it interesting, informative, and or entertaining. Thank you.